On today's episode, we're going to talk about how your marketing is shit and how to utilize your content. Number two is using humor within your marketing. And number three is how to stay humble and remain curious. Let's go. This is the Blind Entrepreneur Podcast, where we help entrepreneurs and business professionals execute their vision by guiding them to profitability. Today, we have Hallie Gray. She is the CEO of Evolve and Succeed, which is a digital marketing agency. Your business needs the double win of marketing, profit for you, and progress for your peeps. They help you get to the point where clients are hunting you down instead of the other way around. A brief mess up, but don't worry. The podcast is going to be amazing. So, Hallie, how is your day going? So far, so good. It's been giggle-tastic. Thanks for having Ooh, me. I like that. I don't think I've ever heard that before. Is well, that like a trademark word for it. you, or is that like Webster's Dictionary? No, no. I just came up with it, so feel free to carry it on. If you can come up with <laughs> gems like that on like the drop of a dime, like I'm really excited for the rest of the podcast. So let's get right into it. So without further ado, we have to start the podcast off the same way we do every single time, and that is with an icebreaker. So are you ready? I am ready. All right. So imagine you just had the absolute best day of your life. Yep. Where are you going to eat and what are you going to order in order to make your day complete? Damn, I love food. This is a tough choice. Sophie's choice. Uh, I'd have to say that I would go to... <laughs> I would probably go to one of the restaurants here that is up on top of it called Noble Rot. And I would probably get a sweet-ass hamburger because I love hamburgers. Nice. So let's do that and a bottle of wine. All right. So number one, we have to clarify the location. So you're currently in Portland, Oregon, correct? I am. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So Portland, Oregon, and you're going where? So this place called Noble Rot, which I highly recommend. It's got all the wine everywhere. So much wine that they actually have to put it like behind your seat because it's amazing. Oh, wow. So now we have to determine that we got the burger down. So what type yeah. of wine are we choosing? I think I'm going to go with the Malbec because it's going into fall. Yeah, a little sweet, which I like. So I think uh, I think that'd be the right pairing. But I have no idea because I just drink it. I don't actually study it. <laughs> <laughs> that was going to be my next question because I actually am starting to study wine, but I'm not going to oh, really? bore you with that. So is that the right pairing? I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, honestly, everybody's palate's different. So I'm going to say yes for you. Yes for me. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But uh, anyways, Hallie, please tell us a little bit more about yourself. Who are you, and what is your story? So I'm Hallie Gray, CEO of Evolve and Succeed, and I'm basically just looking to make sure that your marketing is always effective and strategic instead of being a waste of time because I don't know about you, but I've read so much about, I keep reading and researching about marketing and I think really what could happen for an entrepreneur is that you get stuck down the marketing rabbit hole where you're always constantly trying to try something new to generate more sales. And what ends up happening is that you just exhaust your resources trying these, uh, trying to search for the holy grail instead of maximizing your first like really valid, legit strategy that you should be like putting all your resources into. So I am just basically trying to make sure that you get the most success with the least amount of stress. And that's, uh, that's my marketing jam. Very cool. So let's talk about your entrepreneurial journey. Uh, have yeah. you always been entrepreneurial? Is this something that is a recent passion of yours? Uh, I've always enjoyed uh, the product development side of entrepreneur entrepreneurship. But basically when it came to I just knew I wanted to own a business and I didn't know what that looked like and I didn't know what I would be selling in terms of services or product. 
Um, and so I basically said, all right, sweet, let me just start this experiment and journey. But honestly, the reason why I like being an entrepreneur so much is because it reminds me of science. And a lot of the science, my background in education is science and languages, which are all basically very much experiment oriented. And that's what entrepreneurship is, you know, an experiment to see what works and what doesn't. And everything's always changing and evolving. So it really suited my personality. So I wouldn't call myself an entrepreneur for life. I just discovered that entrepreneurship really suited my strengths. So now you're in the world of marketing. It kind of correlates with science and to your point of just like constantly evolving and, and, and ever changing. Um, yeah. What is it about marketing that you just thoroughly love and enjoy that you wanted to start a business about it? Well, first off, it was the thing that I was really good at. So it just ended up being something that I was doing when I was going through it and then applying that like the strategies and tactics myself and experimenting and seeing what worked and what di didn't. And then uh, offering that advice to other business owners for free and being like, here, this is what you should do. And then they would apply it and they would go from like, small business owners would go from like $0 to $4,000 per month using the strategies and um, my advice that I recommended. So that was really fucking awesome. And I'm not sure if I can swear, but when I get excited, I do. And so... You can, you can drop S-bombs, F-bombs. Yes! <laughs> Z-bombs. I don't know. I don't know what that is. Z-bombs. I don't that, know. End of the end of the podcast. We'll find out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> tune in. Tune in after. <laughs> find out what the elusive Z bomb brings. So I just found that like with my background in languages, which language really is super cool, because basically once depending on what words you choose to put into the human brain, which is like a computer, you can get a different output, right? So like you could talk about something one way and it might not get people excited, but if you change the words and the way you talk about it, it can actually get people really excited to motivate them to action. And so for me, it was like all these different things of combining it together and being like, oh, yeah, marketing makes sense because it's basically an experiment of words to make sure that you get sales. And so for me, that was all the things I love, words, science, and sales. Very cool. Now, what is the quote-unquote golden ticket to marketing? Uh, I know you have a ton of expertise in this stuff, but what should we be doing in our marketing in order to get the clients that we want? And in your, your words exactly, um, instead of us hunting them down, they're hunting us down. So I think a lot of, um, and this applies to digital products, physical products, services, I don't care what you're doing, you're probably all doing this wrong, is that a lot of people end up just, even though it's a tenant, like, it's one of the foundational pieces of your marketing. People start to get vaguer and vaguer as they get bigger and bigger. And so that means that your content gets vaguer and vaguer. And I don't know about you, but I don't have time for, you know, watered down content on the internet because there's so much out there. So as you get bigger, as you grow, you should still keep your voice strong in terms of who you're talking to and who you're trying to reach because you usually haven't tapped out your demographic because people think they do and that they need to expand into a new market. But Honestly, you probably haven't. And so to me, the reason why people will chase after you is because you actually talk. You have a strong content voice that you actually use to explain people like why they should work with you or why they should buy your products and what you do and how you help them with the results. So when it comes down to it, like most people aren't utilizing their content fully to make sure that they are getting people's attention and getting the sales in the door. Mm. You mentioned watered down content. What yeah. does watered down content look like to you? Um, because you probably mentioned that a lot of people are doing it. So we need to find yeah. out, are we actually doing it in order to fix it? Yeah. You, well, a, uh, you probably are cause everybody is. And I like totally. to think of this 
circle jerk words. So okay. when you go and hang out with people in your industry, you're like, oh, let's talk about digital marketing. Let's talk about conversion rates and you know CTA and stuff. And so that's great when you're working with people who are in your industry who don't want to buy your shit. But when you're actually trying to talk to your customers, they don't care. And even if they're the smartest people in the world, they're not going to take the time to go and figure out what the definition is and figure out how it applies to their life. So a lot of the time you're using terms that other people are using in your industry. So I like to play this drinking game that if you go and pick like four websites in the same industry and if they have the same terms repeated over and over again, you drink, okay? So it's going to get you super drunk. But basically it's things like, you know, marketing, content, copywriting, like all of the stuff that people use over and over again because they think their customer understands it and gives, you know, uh, understands it and can apply it is not. You need to talk to your customer like they don't have enough time to know what like to define this stuff. So talk simple, use evocative phrases and terms, um, and connect it back to their end goal, to the customer's end goal. Because a lot of people don't take the time to do that, and so their marketing says like, you know, I like development terms, right? So I might need to hire a developer, but I have no clue about development. Doesn't mean I'm dumb. It just means I don't have the time nor the interest in trying to learn this. I would rather hire somebody. So I would prefer to work with a developer who takes the time to explain it in simple terms so that I'm like, okay, cool. They know their shit. They know that I don't know what's going on, but they're willing to take the time to educate me. It's kind of like if you go into a mechanic and then they start making up all these weird terms and you're like, I don't know what the foozle crank is, but it doesn't sound like a real thing. So I'm just going to walk away. And it's like, no, no, no. You need a new foozle crank and it's $1,200. And you're like, I, I don't, I'm going to Google this because this doesn't seem right. It's the same thing. Like you increase your trust and your likability if you take the time to walk people through what is actually going on and why, why they should give a shit. So what can you like off the top of your head? And I know this is like a, a very quick question, but do you, yeah. can you think of any examples that come to mind of like organizations that are just really dummying it down and making their, their brand or their business more relatable? Yeah, I think, uh, People who do a good job is people like uh, Crazy Egg. So Neil Patel does a good job of like explaining the takeaway or the end result that the customer wants. So I think uh, Crazy Egg's like one sentence when I last checked it was, "Why are your customers leaving?" And so that's a very, you know, evocative question. Or because basically they're like, "Yeah, why are they leaving?" Like I should really figure that out. And so that's basically the premise of Crazy Egg is that. You know, the heat maps will show you why people leave and what they're engaging with and what they're not engaging with. And so that was a really great way of him summing it up. Like, why are they leaving? And so that's something that everybody can understand. I don't need a dictionary to, like, define anything. So it's a really good way to connect with your customers to make sure that they get the purpose of your business and also that they are like, oh, this is going to help me. Mm, okay. Um, I lost what you thought. Um <laughs> He could have just called it like website optimization, like, you know, mapping. And then everybody would be like, yay, I'm dead inside. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> now, you mentioned something in particular that I found was rather intriguing. This was off the air was the, the use of humor. Um, yeah. Can you expand on that a little bit more? So one of the key things that I'm finding when it comes to our marketing campaigns is that if you use humor in your campaigns, it'll increase your conversion rate. And it doesn't matter if it's a landing page, it doesn't matter if it's a sales page, it doesn't matter if it's an email, humor increases your conversion rate uh, exponentially, anywhere between like 12 to 50% because people really connect with humor. And the reason why is because humor lowers our guard, right? Like if I'm trying to make you laugh, the, the objective is no longer I want you to click the button, the objective is I want to try to make you laugh, and then from that, people click the button. 
So it decreases like they're scared of you feeling because they're like, what, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? And you're like, I'm not a flasher in a trench coat. I'm just trying to make you laugh. <laughs> and they're like, oh, okay, cool. This is funny. I like this person. I trust them. And now I've had this tiny win of a laugh, which our brain loves. And so now I'm going to click on that button or I'm going to click on that link or I'm going to go share this because this is funny. So humor is something that a lot of people are overlooking when it comes to their marketing campaigns. And it's something that really is easy to integrate in because once you've got the formula of humor down, it doesn't take much to, you know, start incorporating it bit by bit into your business's voice. When you mentioned that just now, I immediately thought of a couple of just like businesses or reasons why I've most, uh, I clicked on something. Um, mm -hmm. but going back to the example of crazy egg, uh, is there something that maybe you can also give an example of really good humor that maybe you used for a client? Um, if you're not allowed to say it, that's fine. Or maybe if, uh, an organization, um, that you've seen online that uses hum humor in order to, uh, sway a, their decision to click or to watch or et cetera. So there's some really good commercials, like online commercials out there that you guys can watch if you want. And they're probably the more outrageous side of humor. Like they're way more heavy on humor. Humor doesn't have to be like zany all the time. It could just be like a couple of chuckles once in a while. So just to let you know that, no pressure on being funny, but you can totally have fun with your customers. But one would be uh, the Harmon Brothers do, did a commercial for Squatty Potty, which was about you know using rainbows and I don't know, pirates or captains or something yeah. to and make their yeah. yeah yeah and ice cream so yeah. so metaphor or humor is also about metaphors and analogies so they use that to describe their product to make it more accessible and funny and they used it also with like social proof and a whole bunch of other testimonials and science to back it up but it got so much reach because it was funny because they took the time to do it so um they were able to have this massive campaign from just the use of using humor to drive it. And that's really the cool thing is that they got way further than they ever would if they tried to explain it in, uh, you know, doctor terms. No, <laughs> or sure. Yeah, no, and, and humor is good. So that's a video example. Um, mm -hmm. But do you see more individuals like, like um, not every business may be able to make a badass commercial like that, right? Right, right. So what are some things that, that we can do without that big, massive budget um, yeah. that we can potentially incorporate into our, our own marketing. Okay, cool. So what I want you to do is take a look at your opt-in forms because this is probably the easiest place where you can start to add humor to start increasing your conversions. And what you want to do is even something simple like when you are putting in you know, your first name and your email address, you could do something like, uh, and this has been used before, so you know, come up with your own example. But Luke Skywalker for like the first, you know, for the name. And then for the email address, you can have the example of like Luke at a galaxy far, far away dot com. And so stuff like that gets people engaged with it because they're like, huh, funny, I'm a nerd too. And so they put their name in and then they, you know, it doesn't have to make them like laugh outright. It just has to make them smirk a bit or be like, oh, I wasn't expecting that. And so that's what humor does. So like on your opt-in pages, think about what your customer is expecting to see Think about why their guard is up and then figure out how to make like a joke about it to increase their trust and their humor and like get them, get their guard down. So that's really effective. Uh, that's a good idea. Um, I never thought about that as simple as just adding an another name as in the, the drop field. I mean, that's, that's kind of yeah. cool. I mean, what about, um, 
the thing that's coming to my mind is, well, what happens if you're not funny, right? Like I I feel like a lot of organizations and I I can name five off the top of my head and I'm not going to do that, but I can (laughs) name five off the top of my head where they try way too hard to be funny. (laughs) Yeah. Have you experienced that when you, people are including humor and they're just not able to, to nail it? Yeah, definitely. Because the thing is about humor that's super crucial is that, Basically what happens is that you have to know your ideal like your ideal audience or customer really well to actually nail that humor, right? So they're actually they're off target with their humor because they don't they're trying to make somebody laugh who isn't actually their the person they want buying their product. So when that happens, the humor gets really bad. It's pretty cringeworthy, right? It's like a it's like a dad joke after dad joke after dad joke and start like in front of somebody you're trying to impress and you're like, please stop, just stop. <laughs> So usually I recommend that you need to hire somebody to help you with your humor and to reconnect it back to your customer who you're actually, you know, there's a lot of research that you need to do behind your customer and what their profile is like, what their personality is like, what their likes and dislikes are like. And so humor can go bad. Uh, That's not the worst case, though. I mean, there's a lot of cases of people alienating their whole customer base because they put a like a poorly done joke up as like a commercial or like inside of their emails and that's worse. So like if it's just a cringeworthy joke where you're like, please stop, dad, instead of being like, dude, not appropriate, then I think they're all right. Yeah, <laughs> they just need to update it. That's very true. Um, yeah. One of the hardest things to do in business is to achieve your first 100 customers. Totally. What, I guess, one, how were you able to achieve that? Or, or achieving that, and what are some ways that you are able to do that for your customers? So I did that when I was first starting out by launching my services, and so I had a whole dedicated marketing campaign just devoted to launching new services. And so by doing that and by promoting that on you know social media and uh, putting it out there and using webinars, I was able to gain more follow like more subscribers that way, and that's how I gained my first hundred subscribers. It's just by launching your services. So the main point being when you're launching your services that you get the sales, but also that when you are putting that stuff out there, you're educating people and exciting people. So even if they can't buy it right now, they'll still subscribe because they want to work with you in the future. So that's how I got my first hundred. And then I also used uh, webinars to educate people about like, here's some free value, take it. Like, here's how you get started with this one piece and move forward for my cost, uh, for my clients. What I usually recommend is launching and webinars. Like a lot of the time when it comes down to it, you need to have the content there and then to build the traffic out with either SEO, Facebook ads, you know, and get that in. But if you don't have the content to convert people into subscribers, it's wasted money and wasted time. So I really recommend them getting their marketing down in terms of like how they're presenting themselves online, um, who they're talking to and making sure that that is going to convert well first and then we drive traffic in. Webinars are like the it thing in 2017. I see a lot of people doing it. Um, What are some ways that if you want to launch a webinar to stand out amongst the the rest of the crowd? Um, And what are your overall thoughts on on webinars? Obviously relatively high since you're able to get customers from it, but just would love to hear, I guess, sell us on on why we should be doing webinars. Well, I think if you've seen Jonathan and my face talking like this, you know, laughing, hearing our, the way we talk, hearing the way we uh, express ourselves, you probably like and trust us a lot more than if you just read an email about us, right? So the key is, is that really what the, the reason why webinars are popular and they work so well is because of live video. 
right? So by having the video there, by taking the time to walk somebody through a complicated process or a complicated method or a complicated idea, you again increase the trust and likability of yourself and your brand by using it that way, okay? So basically the cool thing about webinars is that we're speeding up that online relationship. You know, it's like speed dating. We're speeding it up and being like, okay, I like you. Okay, I don't like you. Okay, I like you. And so that way when it, people come in, they're like, oh, okay, cool. I like her after talking to her for the first, or, you know, listening or talking to her for the first five minutes. I'm going to stay an hour, learn more about this content, and then I'm going to buy a $3,000 product. I'm going to, you know, sign up for a $10,000 service. I'm going to sign up for a consult call to talk about that, you know, $20,000 service. So really at the end of the day, the webinar is just a method or um, a conduit for allowing us to talk to people in a more intimate manner so that they trust us and like us faster so that we can sell to them faster. So it just decreases that time from stranger to buyer. So that's why I really like webinars. Also, webinars are a great time for you to use that humor to connect with people by using that you know content that you have created. So having a different voice, talking about it in a different manner, using those metaphors and analogies to get people you know interested and engaged and feeling like they're making tiny wins and so they really allow you to showcase your whole business quickly inside of an hour. And then you can put them on evergreen, which is freaking baller. Because if you can put them on evergreen, it means that you can repeat that process or that experience again and again and again. So it's scalable. And that's really cool. So then you can go and you know, start putting Facebook ads behind it, start putting good Google ads spend behind it, and just keep moving forward that way. So it's really neat in the way that you can create these experiences, which I think are really important nowadays. And it allows you to keep growing your business faster. Is there a difference between a, a, a webinar sell of, say, $10 or $20 a month versus $20,000? Um, you mentioned those that, that number in particular. I'm curious to see, like, is it a hard sell for something that's $20,000, or do you find it easier to sell something that's a, relatively lower in, in pricing? So you are going to have a higher conversion rate on a lower price product. It's just the natural way of things. But I find that with the $20,000 price point, it's more exciting and more interesting. And the challenge is more there for your webinar because now it's up to you to definitely make sure people are getting the most out of it. So you have to do more rigorous testing with your live webinar before you can put it on Evergreen. But it's totally possible. And most people end up going from, all right, let's take them into a consult call so they can talk to people and hard, and hard pitch and sell. But really, I recommend going to a sales page, letting people understand what's going on, and then hitting them up with a sales call, off, off, sales call offer after they get off the webinar so that they can actually get the time to think about buying it before you put them into a sales call. So that's pretty much counter whatever everybody in the online sphere says. Because they're like, put them in a consult call. Put them in a sales call. Get them in, in, in. And I'm like, please don't, because A, you haven't given them the time to actually like soak that shit in and be like, oh, okay, this is like how much it costs, this is what I'm going to get, this is how it works. And I understand that, you know, the pressure of a sales call is pretty, is pretty powerful. But if people aren't given the time to soak in logistics and how it's going to work and what results they can get and what it looks like, they have trouble connecting with it. And it becomes then a shaky purchase, which means that they're going to ghost you or they might pull out halfway, or they'll start to resent you. So I, I prefer to educate people along the way and be like, here are the results. Here's what we're going to get for you. Here's this. And then if they have trouble signing up to that, then we get them on a sales call. Because then what's the point of trying to convince somebody to wear a size 5 shoe when they're a size 10? Like, you're wasting everybody's time. Mm -hmm. So I think also when you put price point right up in front for a $20,000 package, 
What you're also doing is making sure that people are aware of the value of it. And therefore, now you can start to educate them and repeat that value over and over again so that they can sell themselves on it. Yeah, no, I like that. And I love the analogies that you're giving on point. Perfect. Um, you mentioned evergreen. Is that, can you explain it? Are you talking about the term evergreen or are you talking about a service that's called evergreen? Okay. So, uh, the term evergreen. Okay, so basically gotcha. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it'd be a cool service name though. Yeah. Very yeah. Nice. I guess briefly to somebody who has never <laughs> heard the word ever evergreen, do you, can you just give like a, a two sentence like definition if you could? Okay. It's not about trees. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's basically making sure that like you put everything on automate everything. Mm -hmm. So your emails, your webinars, whatever you're doing right now live, which might be like a live launch system, you put on evergreen, which means that it's continually running. And instead of it being based on people all coming at the same time, one person can come in at any time and receive the same experience on the same timeline, but um, you know, throughout the year. Mm, okay. Now we're gonna change the conversation up a little bit to the more personal questions, if that's okay with you. Okay. And the one thing in particular that I am a huge fan of are habits. So what are some habits that have helped you as an individual, as a human being, become more efficient throughout your day? Uh, so for me, I find that learning is a really important part of my efficiency because what happens is that I realize that I suck at something and I'm like, oh shit, I need to fix that pretty quickly. So for me, it's been something like we, I've been trying really, really hard to become better at systems. And so just learning about that and optimizing that is really important. So every day I try to figure out how I can like systemize something that I'm doing instead of having to do it myself. Um, the other things are like staying to a consistent, you know, waking up time or going to, you know, sleep time because I find that with that, not having a strict deadline for one to wake up you, without that sort of routine in place, which I'm a routine breaker. So it's consistently a battle. But without having that strict routine in place, you're basically going to never have sort of a um, optimal day because you're always changing the parameters and that change really takes a while to compensate for. Uh, the other thing I find with efficiency is like shutting off my computer or literally shutting off my Wi-Fi to get a break from the internet because my brain gets depleted, but it still wants to stay on the internet because it gets all that sweet, sweet pleasure uh, synapses firing with like, Oh, kittens on the internet. I'll spend 10 hours watching kittens on the internet. That is not efficient. I should just shut that shit down and go and do something else. So like exercise, going outside, it's surprising how much that helps with my efficiency. But And you've probably even said a thousand times, but really getting a break from the internet, I know it's now the default to be on the internet all the time, but we used to be actually be outside sometimes, guys. I know it seems surprising, but we actually are supposed to be outside once in a while. <laughs> if, if, when you find out what the outside looks like, uh, you let me know. I'll send you a right? picture. Yeah, <laughs> I'll send you a gif. Yeah, yeah, seriously. And then I'm sure there'll be a cat somewhere, like just in the background. <laughs> I stole it from a neighbor. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you also mentioned your like. I, I, if it's okay, I want to get granular because um, you said that your times and the way you wake up and your methods are important. So is there something that has worked really well for you? you? said trying to get up at the same time every day. Like, do you consistently do that or is that something that you're trying to work on? And then, you know, let's, let's go into like the day to day, if that's okay with you. Yeah. Totally. So I'm a systems breaker. I did that Colby test. Have you tried it? No, I never heard of it. Okay, cool. It's K O L B E. And it's this test basically like every personality test, which is like, here's how you're optimal and here's how you're not. 
And so one that was really enlightening and felt like a thank crap is that for me as in my personality, I am a systems breaker. So like I can literally go in and see what's wrong with the business. But once I pinpoint that, I need to be like, here's why it's broken. Here's how to fix it. I'm out because otherwise I'll be like, oh, wait, we could optimize it this way and this way and this way. And that's not effective for seeing results. So uh, what I try to do is wake up at seven. Sometimes I sleep until 10 a.m. in the morning, though, because I'm a winner. (laughs) I respect (laughs) it. Yeah, yeah. So I try to wake up early because I do find that that's like a really good time to like get up and like go into my co-working office. And so that's awesome. But again, like I sometimes I stay up late to like 10 p.m. working on content or marketing campaigns or something. So really, at the end of the day, like I try not to be too strict on myself, but I do find when I wake up at seven and I get my work done by three and then I go and shut down my computer and like go out for walks, um, going out for walks like in the morning, the middle of the day and the after like after work is really important for me because, you know, otherwise I just sit on my computer all the time. Like that's not healthy. So Interesting. That's the, so you said five. So you said ten to three. Is that usually when you stop working around three? Oh uh, no! So like from a seven to three sort of start. So like oh, eight to three. three. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that'd be awesome. But even and after, like, what about after that though? After what th- do I do after? Yeah, like are you are you actually doing work or are you just doing like other things that kind of feed your mind, your body, and your soul? Yeah, yeah. So I try to. I really. I'm a book nerd. I don't know if that came through, but I'm a book nerd, and I love to read. So it's like reading books, uh, not even business books, because I find that my brain is tapped out. And I have like 20 business books back there, and I haven't touched them because I'm like, I just want to break. Hmm. So I know it's a big entrepreneurial journey where you're like, let's read all the books, but I'm like, I need. I just need to read something that is not bookish. So I'm reading right now, Ready Player One, which is coming out in movie. Uh, and so I'm like, all right, cool. That's a good way to break from it. The other things I do is like stand up comedy, which I freaking love because it gives me an adrenaline rush and gets my brain focused on something different, um, but uses the skills I'm strong at. Um, and then making sure that I talk with other human beings during after work and like actually go out and do stuff is really important for me because I love talking to people on the internet, but it is not the same experience for the human brain to like talk to somebody on Skype as it is to like talk to them like face to face. So interesting. I try to absorb that as much as possible. I'm really curious to hear like the normal entrepreneurial journey is like nine in the morning to nine at night and then another second shift, which is 10 to one, (laughs) whatever it is. So like, do you, are you okay with just working, like shutting down somewhere around three o'clock and then not being able to pick it back up? Like, do you still feel like you can accomplish a lot in your day, even within that, that time constraints? I mean, you're running a business, et cetera. Yeah. So I, what I found is that even when I was running from nine to nine at night, it was not effective. So why would I, why, why was I doing it? And so I was broke it down into if I'm spending more time and my output is decreasing, then I'm really not doing anything better. Like that's not strategic nor effective use of my time. And so what I found was that instead of me researching all the things that entrepreneurs usually do, right? Like I'm like, oh, we need to do Facebook ads. What I did was hire really fucking smart people instead. And I'm like, you need to go learn this and you need to turn it into a system for us because we need to do this. And they're like, that sounds awesome. I want to do that. I'm like, fantastic. Go ahead because I'm tapped out. You need to go and do this because I am not going to bring my A game if I keep trying to divide my focus and turn it into, you know, mush if I keep trying to work longer and longer hours because that's not effective. Yeah. So I have done it, but I just found that it was not uh, it was not very strategic because all it does is burn out one human brain when instead I can bring in a second human brain 
that could get like really jazzed up about it is optimal at researching and you know turning things into systems and that's a more effective use of time and resources very cool no, i like that i like that philosophy um the second to last question that i have before we get into the really good one um is <laughs> is, is resources so yeah. are there any uh resources that you simply cannot uh live without air <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Sorry. Sorry. It's all good. It's all good. I was thinking more along the lines of technological resources, um, but I agree. Air is nice. I, yeah, I yeah. like it particularly. It seems to be a crucial resource for a lot of entrepreneurs, but I mean, color I me wrong. So. <laughs> I can be wrong. I think you're on to something, I, I, but you know, who am I? I'm not a scientist. Yeah. Right. Um, neither am I. Uh, so yeah, I really recommend, I mean, for software, I really recommend Thinkific. We sell our course through there and they, they are literally the best customer support. I've never seen a software company bring such amazing customer support to a piece of software before. So like to me, they're not only like the software that we use to deliver our courses and make the, the customer experience really awesome. They also are like, they're an example of how I would want to run a software company if I ever ran a software company because they are just doing it right. Mm. Um, the second would be, I mean, all the Gmail, you know, all the Gmail suite apps and suites and stuff. That's freaking amazing. Personally, I really enjoy um, the analytics of, so we just signed up for Wicked, and so that's a data anal, like tracker. So basically we can see like how everybody comes into our business, what they buy it, the ROI of each channel. And so that's been really cool to make sure that we have all that data in place because otherwise you're just like, you're just fumbling around blind. And so I really think, uh, bringing it back to the name. Uh, I really think that your data is super crucial when finding out if things are, working or not. And so that's one of those things as well. Like, how do you know if your humor campaign is working out well? Like you see more people coming in on it, you know, um, AB testing all the time. So how do you make sure that that happens to make sure it's moving forward? Very cool. I have to give a quick shout out to Tyler who is from think Epic, and I've interviewed him in the past. So I'm going to link his, uh, interview as well onto this interview. So, um, you can check out his stuff and, uh, you know, Thinkific is, is a great company. I agree. So props to them. And I'm glad you're using them. Um, oh, yeah. The main question that I have is the blind entrepreneur. This podcast was created for individuals who may be temporarily blind in business. They may uh, they may not be funny, but they're trying to be funny. Um, so they, they are blind in business and cannot see the obvious. So what are three pieces of advice that you would give to a fellow entrepreneur? Uh, so I would say first off that at different stages of your business, you're going to turn blind again, because basically every time you hit a growth stage, you're going to need more additional information to move to the next step. So get comfortable with that and get comfortable with assessing your own weaknesses and your business's weaknesses. Do not tr treat it as like a precious baby. It is not. Okay. So get comfortable assessing your business's weaknesses and being prepared for them to mirror your own so that you can actually recognize it and fix it as quickly as possible. Um, the second thing I would do is say your marketing is like, I, from what I've seen and all my research online and looking at all these businesses from the back end, marketing really is like 75% of businesses because it's how people get excited about you. It's what it, you know, it's your perception of how pricey you are, or how cheap you are. It's like where you are sitting in the market. And so like when it comes down to marketing, really, you need to be marketing yourself well and strategically and smartly. And if you want to be a funny business, be a funny business. But 
just make sure that you were optimizing your marketing as much as possible because that is your biggest battle. You need to be talking about it right. You need to be, you know, doing it right. And the third thing I would say is, uh, you know, failure really isn't, failure is good for you, right? Because it keeps us humble and it also keeps us curious. And those are two really important qualities for when you are building a business that you need to keep, you need to keep, you need to have. Because if you're humble, it means you're not going to overextend yourself. You're not going to be cocky. You're not going to alienate the people who work for you or the people who want to collaborate with you. And if you're um, curious, you're always going to be looking for a new answer or solution. And that's really, really important because your curiosity as an entrepreneur is going to make you push further, test farther, experiment more. And that's really, really important for moving forward. Very cool. Well, you successfully completed the podcast. So congratulations <laughs> to you. The, the day is, is complete. Um, so without further ado, please go ahead and tell us how we can find more, uh, learn more about you, how we can be a part of your journey and potentially become a customer of yours. So I'm over at evolvingsucceed.com and that is our main hub. If you are a freelancer, if you have a freelancer business model, go check out bebookedout.com. That's our program helping you get strategically booked out in advance. But basically that's where I hang out online. I'm over, I'm, I also love Twitter. I know it's old school, but I'm on all the social media channels at Evolve Succeed. And I would love to meet you guys. So totally hit me up and let me know that we met via Jonathan. Very cool. Well, thank you guys for always liking, commenting, and subscribing. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on YouTube. Uh, everything you've heard today will be in the show notes, including all the links. To watch more videos, be sure to head over to theblindentrepreneur.com for more interviews. Being blind in business is temporary. I hope that after listening to the wisdom of Hallie, uh, you are now – I screwed <laughs> up your name. Um, <laughs> No, I think you're right, Hallie. All right. No, yeah. No, I, I, I think I thought I said Haley. Um, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna start that one over. Um, being blind in business is temporary. I hope that after listening to the wisdom of Hallie, you are now able to see more clearly. Go out there and execute your vision. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much for watching this video. Don't forget to follow me on any and all social media platforms using the long last name above, followed by the letter J. If you want to get lost into the dark abyss of YouTube, click either left or right for another video. And finally, don't forget to hit the subscribe button. No, seriously, don't forget.